Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Welcome to everyone online to Is Love the Issue? Part 2, The Promise. Last week we saw how we have an enemy that wants us caught up in a cycle of deception. And that believing a lie doesn't make it the truth. And today I'm starting with our key verse for this series, which is Colossians 2 from 6 to 7. And it says this. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Continue. Hey, why don't you shout it out in the chat room? Okay, how do you do that? You do it by writing it all in caps. Continue. Continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as we were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I know that this doesn't sound much like a relational verse, but the idea is this. That healthy people have healthy relationships because they have been rooted and built up in Christ. And they have healthy relationships because of that. And so if you have good roots, you will have good fruits. And many of us, however, approach relationships trying to deal with the fruit. But when we deal with the root, we will produce good fruit. So if you're ready for the word, and really, from your heart, say it like you mean it. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again in Jesus' name. Now, how many of you know that the word promise is a big word? So if you know it, then in the chat say, yes, I do. I was taught when growing up that if you made a promise, it was a big deal. And I've taught my boys the same thing. If you say something, if you say it out of your mouth, follow through with it. And when you make a promise, you keep your promise. Because here's what I know. For some of you online, some of the pain in your relationship is because promises were made, but were not kept. Some of you are on the receiving end of that. You find yourself in relationship tension or out of relationship or in the, the brokenness of it or, or whatever. Because somebody made a promise which they did not fulfill. And some of you were on the, the, the giving end of that, right? We've all been there. We've made a promise and we didn't follow through. And now we have to repair some things and work through some things that, that, that we have to do. And it's because we're not super Christians. None of us are super Christians. And we are all human. And often it's not a question of love. But a lot of the tension can be found because we said something that we didn't follow through on. And so today I want to talk about promises. In the context of marriage, although I truly believe with all my heart that it applies to even friendships and other areas as well. But if you are married, this will really help you. And if you're not married and you want to be married, get this in your spirit now. Come on. Don't be one of those who say, I mean, if only I knew this 20 years ago. And so if you're listening to this and you're in a place where you say, hey, man, you know what? I blew it. I really messed up. I just want to say that his mercies on you today. Great is his faithfulness. This is a good day to begin again, to wipe the slate clean and say, I'm going to start from this moment on. 
And so the word promise comes from the Latin word, not being Latin. I hope I say it right. Prometere. Prometere. Pro meaning forward and materi means to send. In other words, the word promise means I am making a commitment or a declaration that I am sending forward. It is something I say now that I'm going to need in the future. I'm sending it into the future. So wherever you stood that day, and it was a beautiful day, I'm sure, and you exchanged your vows, and you did a few repeat after me, and you made some promises, you didn't need the promise right then. You didn't need for better or worse, because right then, it was awesome. It was like, whoa, this is so fantastic. You were in love. You were so, so happy. There were flowers. There were people singing. You had the dress, and you said, yes, yes, I do, I do. There he was in front of you, Prince Charming. You didn't need the promise then. You were sending it into a future moment when it wouldn't be cakes and flowers and smiles and and everything wonderful. You were sending the promise into the place where there was going to be tension, where where, where you were in a place where you weren't happy with something that day that they did. When you felt like walking out, That's where the promise goes to. It goes to where it matters. That's where you send it. A promise is a commitment where you say, I'm sending it into my future so that when the time comes and there is tension and I want to walk away, when I don't like what you're saying, when, when I don't want to forgive you, when I don't want to be kind, then I want you to know I've already predetermined in my heart. I've made a promise and I sent it to this moment, right to now. You know, so that I said then, I made the promise, I won't walk away. Are you with me? Here's what you all need to understand. Love is not a feeling. Love looks a whole lot like hard work. Love looks a whole lot like commitment. It doesn't look like the movies. Unfortunately, some of us have created an understanding of relationships and what we thought it was going to look like around movies. We even have words from movies. Oh, there goes my Prince Charming. Is he so Prince Charming at 6 a.m. in the morning and he's unshaven and his hair is like wild and all over the place and he's left his underwear lying all over the floor? Is he Prince Charming when he six-pack becomes a keg, you know? No, no, marriage, relationships, looks like hard work. We have the picture in our mind that it's like a movie. Come on, who's watched Hallmark movies? My wife drags me to quite a few of them, you know, on TV. Hallmark, lovely movie, you know, and I've watched them. They bump into each other. They, They get together and fall in love. Then there's miscommunication happens and and she thinks that he's not and he thinks that she's not and and so he leaves and he and he takes that job in London and, and you see him going to the airport and re she she's in a place where where she realized that he's leaving where is he where is he no he's left for the airport and she jumps into the taxi and she speeds to the airport and the camera cuts to him and he's about to board oh no she won't make it we think oh move move faster faster my wife gets very agitated you know he, he's going to board the plane he, he he's going through the boarding gate and, and she gets there and and he's in panic mode because she can't see him And he turns around just as he's entering the plane. And he runs out. 
and she's nowhere to be found. She's back at the taxi, about to leave, tears in her eyes, and he comes up, and they stand awkwardly looking at each other, and he says, this is going to be hard, but I'm so committed to you. And she says, I'm committed to you. And he says, I won't leave you. I will never ever leave you. And they kiss. Oh my goodness. And then in the next scene, they're married. So we're waiting for that. Listen to me, people. That's a movie. And it's not even a good movie. And you may have been, you know, uh, it could be anything. It could have been an episode of Friends, you know. Hi, Ross. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Oh, no, it's Emily. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. Love looks a whole lot like hard work. Commitment in relationships looks a whole lot like hard work. Sticking in it and staying in it looks a whole lot like hard work. Are there moments of wow? Yes. There's feelings of love and, and, and it's there most definitely. I don't want to paint a picture to all the singles that are watching me right now who are like saying, what are you saying, Mark? Uh, what am I signing up for if I, if I say I'm getting married? I mean, it's hard work. You're making marriage sound like hard work. I want you to know, I've been married for nearly 38 years, and it's been wonderful. It's been incredible. I've had such fantastic moments. But I can also tell you, there are those moments when you need the promise. I don't need the promise when I'm on honeymoon, you know, and I'm in Paris, and I'm standing in front of the Eiffel Tower, and I'm taking a selfie. Oh, so nice. I'm so in love. I need it when the sixth child has come along and won't sleep in the night and, and I'm sleep deprived and, and I have no, absolutely no idea what I said to you. I have no idea. All I know, my darling, is I woke up in the morning going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever I said to you. I know it was unkind and it, it was the middle of the night and I apologize because I'm in this. Are you with me? A promise is something you send ahead. It is a commitment you make. Did you hear me? It's something you make. So today I'm going to talk about four commitments that I think will help you have a thriving relationship. And I believe these commitments, if you're not married, are what you should be looking for when you are looking. And I want you to know, I believe that awesome, life-giving, hopeful relationships are possible. We're living in a world where we see every week on social media another couple that aren't making it. Hey, pastor, just to let you know, you know, we've separated and we're getting divorced. We just don't feel it anymore. But I want you to know that it's possible to grow in your love and commitment to each other. Jan and I have celebrated 37, nearly 38 years of marriage. So I want you to know it does still happen. You can still go the distance. And so I want to give you some tools that I believe will help you on the journey. Maybe they haven't been part of your relationship, but today is a great day to start. So are you ready? Are you ready for what I've got to say? Number one. Number one is this. Once again, you've got to understand, I'm telling you we're getting to the root not just the fruit. This message isn't going to be, you know, fluffy. It's not one of those, don't go to bed, man, point one kind of messages. And, and all that is good. But we need to get to the root of things to really help us build, I believe, a foundation that will take us the long distance. And so number one, we're going to make a commitment to keep Jesus at the center. To keep Jesus at the center. The center. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What are all these things in the context of the verse? You know, they were talking about, I think, uh, all the material stuff that we worry about, provision and relationship. But he's saying in this verse, no, 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 seek Jesus first. And Jesus has a way of taking care of all the things. All the things will be given to you as well. And, you know, we get the cart before the horse. I need to worry about all the things. But actually, if I worry about Jesus first, then he will take care of all the things. And I believe with all my heart that one of the greatest commitments that you can make in relationships, the greatest thing that you should be looking for is, is Jesus at the center? Can I say this? Every single person here online, if Jesus isn't the center right now, it's not going to just improve when you say, I do. It's not going to be like, wow, look at that. All of a sudden, Jesus is the center. No, no, no. Listen to me. If he wasn't the center before you met, listen, ladies, please, please listen to me. Guys will do anything. Did you hear me? Anything to get what they want. I started out as a youth pastor when I was 16. I've been around a long time. And I tell you, many will make it look as though Jesus is the center. If it leads them to, you've guessed it. If Jesus wasn't the center on the first day, what makes you think that he's going to be the center when you say, I do, I'm trying to help you. And I'm just saying, listen to me. It's Jesus at the center. That's all I'm trying to get into your spirit. It's Jesus at the center. Note, all these things come after this. It's not your career at the center. It's not your earning potential together at the center. None of that is bad, but it should be Jesus at the center. Amen. I never had daughters, but let me tell you, when guys come around the daughters of the rock, I have a whole lot of questions. Are you with me? And I've seen so often Mr. and Mrs. Praise Jesus. Got all the right tattoos, the big Bible, know the language, hands raised, and five years down the married road, disaster. Because Jesus wasn't the center of their lives. It was nothing but smoke and mirrors. And so my question to young couples is, where is Jesus in the equation? Because if he's not the center of the relationship, and the center of your life, then you're going to have two completely different filters. You're going to filter finances differently because if you are, are I believe, a follower of, of Christ, you will filter your finances through how Jesus says you should manage it. You are going to filter your parenting because if you are a follower of Christ, you're not going to filter through what the latest psychology books say. And I'm not against reading it, but you're going to filter first through what the Bible says, not the psychologist or, or modern culture or some woke statement that's come out of nowhere. I have a completely different filter through which I look at the lens of life and reality and the world, and everything. So if Jesus isn't at the center, it's going to create some real tension down the road. Can you see that? Are you following me? Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. And this is a metaphor that Paul gives. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Another translation says it like this. Don't be unequally yoked. 
And the reason that he's saying this is, what do these two things have in common with each other? He says, light and dark have tension that is between them. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So, it should be your first question in your first conversation. Not on the second date, not on the third date, but on your first date. I meet Christians all the time and they come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I'm in a relationship, I'm so in love. And I say, that's great, that it really is awesome. What do they think of Jesus? And then they say, uh, uh, we didn't get into that yet. Kelly, my son, would date a girl and I would say, well, is there going to be a second date? And for him, it was about logic. Why should I pay for another date when I know it's not going anywhere? For him, truthfully, it was, is Jesus at the center you know, I think he was just frugal. You know, I'm not wasting any more money if this thing isn't going anywhere. He's now married, and he's married to someone who loves Jesus, and they are thriving, I'm glad to say. But it's a priority thing. And if you're a Christian, you should ask, Jesus is the priority of my life. Is he the priority of your life? And if that's not settled on the first or in the first conversation, I'm telling you, there's trouble down the road. It also can't be me at the center. You say, well, I'm single right now, so it can be all about me. Show me where you find that in your Bible. Because I read in mine in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. There is never a season in the life of a believer where life is all about you. It's always about Jesus. I just want to speak to some married folk, and you're listening, and uh, where you are right now is you're in a place where you, you're praying for your spouse that is an unbeliever. Maybe you got married, and later in life you came to faith, and you're like, Jesus isn't really the center, and, and is it too late for me, Pastor Mark? Is it? I just want to say, his mercies are new every morning. In fact, Paul speaks of this and he says, you just keep loving Jesus. You just keep living the life of a true believer. And I believe if you live a life of a fallen in love with Jesus, and it's an authentic relationship. I'm not talking about fruitcake religion, whether, I don't know whether you are a fruit nut or cake, you know, no, 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 no. I'm talking about an authentic walk with God. Then it's an attractive life. And Paul says it will attract non-believers. So let me encourage you with this thought. You don't debate anybody to Jesus. You don't nag anybody to Jesus. You don't prod anybody to Jesus. The Bible says it is the kindness of God that leads us to salvation. It leads us to Jesus. So I want to encourage you to live with kindness and love. Live a life that, that is like Christ, a Christ-like life. Number one, make a commitment to keep Jesus at the center. Number two is this. Number two, we're going to make a commitment to continue pursuing. To continue pursuing. We don't stop the pursuit. Here's an awesome verse. It says in Proverbs 14, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So I'm not going to talk about pursuing, but I'm actually going to pursue. I'm not going to just do that up until I say I do. 
I'm making the commitment to continue the pursuit beyond the I do. For when the house is full of kids and I'm tired, you know, and I just want to walk away. I'm not talking about just romantic pursuit. I'm talking about the pursuit of the individual. And what I mean by this is, hey, my darling, what are you thinking? How are you feeling today? I'm going to stand with who I said I do too. And yes, I'm going to continue to grow and evolve into a different person. But it will be a more mature person because uh, you're a different person from one season to the next. So I'm going to continue pursuing you to know you, to understand you. I'm going to keep pursuing forgiveness. I'm going to keep pursuing love. I'm going to keep pursuing peace. I'm going to keep pursuing the commitment that when it's not easy, I'm going to keep pursuing you. When I come to a place where I have no more energy, I need to make this a priority, that I'm going to keep pursuing you. When you, when you want me to, or even when you don't want me to, I'm still going to do it. When you're in a funk and, and uh, you, you get stuck in a place for a little while, I'm going to keep coming after you. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep encouraging. I'm, I'm going to stay in pursuit. I'm in this thing with you. And the Bible says we ought to find, find a wife. The idea is there is a pursuit. That's not old-fashioned. The Bible says he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. Revelations 2 says this in verse 5. Consider how far you have fallen. If you realize you haven't been pursuing, repent and do the things you did at first. Now, the word repent has a kind of bad connotation for some people because they think of somebody with this huge big megaphone on the side of the road yelling, repent, turn or burn. No, the word repent literally means a change of mind. A change of mind. In other words, I don't have a mindset of I'm married. Now we can put it on like cruise control. I don't have to pursue her anymore or him anymore. I can just let go and be myself. No, I have to repent of that thinking and say, if I want to keep life in this relationship, if I'm going to keep this marriage thriving, I can't put it on cruise control. I've got to continually give it maintenance, continually build into it. I must continually grow it. Here's the deal. You'll either grow by default or you'll grow by design. And when you grow by default, you often grow apart. When you grow by design, you grow together. And you have to plan for this. You need to strategize. It's amazing that we'll strategize about our money and how we invest it. And we'll have plans and and strategies for our retirement, for the holiday we're going to have when COVID opens up in 2064, whenever that might be. But we never strategize about our relationships. Which is more important? How much money we have in the bank or that the person that God gave you, you go the distance with? When I came into ministry, I spent my time strategizing for the church's future and neglected to strategize for my marriage. And we went through some tough spots, I'm telling you, until I got it right. Now, I don't plan on retiring, but I also don't plan on being on the platform until I die. Eventually, I will hand over. But I have a plan. And when I'm older, I'll, I'll teach. I think that I can teach. I'm going to hang around the office and take all the young people out for long lunches. 
Every now and then I'll stand up in church and say something weird and the people will say, you know, bless Mark, he's old. That's my plan. But it means nothing if Jan, my wife, isn't right beside me. We grow by design, so continue to pursue. Number one, make a commitment to keep Jesus at the center. Number two, make a commitment to continue pursuing. And number three is this. Number three, make a commitment to protect your purity. Make a commitment to protect your purity. And this is when I get counseling feedback, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening? Married couples aren't protecting their purity. I'm talking about people saying things like, you know, there was just no fire anymore. So we thought, you know, it would be a good idea to to bring some pornography into our marriage bed. Just take God out of the equation. Even secular psychologists say that if you make this the center of your marriage, you will destroy it. Or we have this device in our hands where we can just text and emotionally connect with anybody. I mean, it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. You have to protect your marriage boundaries. You need to know this. The enemy is crafty and he's sly and he's smart. And as I said last week, it's just little by little by little. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this. Marriage should be honored by all. Honored by all. That means everybody in your life should honor your marriage. They should hold it up as something valuable to be protected. So if you have people in your life that don't value, that don't honor your marriage or your partner, you need to move them out of your life. Ladies, you need to listen. You don't need girls at the office going, I can't believe your husband is such a loser. No, you need voices that speak hope and life into you. There's also no reason. I want to be frank. Can I be frank today? Thank you. There is no reason for you to look at your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend from high school on Facebook and reconnect just to find out, you know, what's happening in him or her life. When I said I do to Jan, it radically changed every female relationship in my life. It reorientated everybody. And I have female friends, but I've also learned to put in boundaries I don't communicate a certain way. I put a barrier between our marriage because the enemy, listen to me, doesn't flood your house overnight. He does it drip by drip by drip. Oh, it's just one direct message. It's no big deal. It's just one text. You know, what calm can it be? I mean, we're friends. We're work colleagues. Just one little picture. Just one little movie. But we must guard the purity of our relationship with everything that we have because the enemy will destroy it. And he has a long plan in mind. Deceived people will always become angry and protect their privacy. In the past, I've challenged people on their posts. And and I do it because they don't protect the integrity of their marriage. Instead of guarding their marriage, they get angry and block me. And that attitude will lead to disaster in the relationship. It always does. If you've ever hidden a text, a text away from your spouse, that's one too many. You won't believe the stories I've had. Oh, pastor, he, she, they understand me. You know, my wife doesn't. We just connect. People justifying why why they can't end the relationship that they've started outside of their marriage. And deceived people are creative and left unchecked will pull all those around them down with them. Just one drip, just one drip, 
Just one drip. Listen to me. The devil has more patience than you could ever have. And he will outlast you drip by drip by drip. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 verse 4, marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept what? Kept what? Pure. God wants it kept pure. What does that mean? It's between you and your spouse. And what they're comfortable with. But keep it pure. Nobody else should be in the mix. It's a commitment I'm making down the road when I need it. I want you to know I am protecting the, the purity of my, my marriage. I want you to know that when I'm at the office and I'm being complimented for my presentation or, or my good looks and it makes me feel so good on the inside, I, I, I'm not entertaining it. I will talk to you about it because I've already committed to protecting the purity of our relationship. And the Bible says this in Ephesians 5 verse 8. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Another translation says, live like it. Live like it. Ephesians 5.11 says this. Have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness. Those, those are fruitless deeds that bear no good fruit, but rather expose them. And maybe you've messed up and you're saying to yourself, I've already blown it. No, no, no. Look at this. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. If you are willing to say to God, I've blown it, God says, I've got mercies for you. Let's begin again. Let's start from this day and let's go forward. Number one, keep Jesus at the center. Number two, continue pursuing. Number three, protect your integrity. And we get to number four, the final one that is, Make the commitment that, number four, you are going to stay in this together. You're going to stay in this together. I want to show you why it's more than just how strong and resilient you can be. The foundation of why we must stay in this together must be more than just, I'm a Christian and, and I've got tenacity and I can stick it out. I'm no quitter. No, it's got to be deeper than that. This is why you stay in this together, Matthew 9.15. And this is Jesus talking, and he says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. So all the mothers, let your baby boy go. And dads, leave your daughters. Stop interfering. It says they will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But there is something unique in the relationship of marriage that God created. I'm telling you now, we didn't create it, not me, not the government, not the pastor married you, not you. But God made it and he made it unlike any other relationship, unlike friendships, business partnerships, working relationships or parent and child relationships. It's unlike any other relationship. And here Jesus is talking about it. And he says, there's something supernatural that happens. That the two become one flesh. There's the oneness that happens. That, that you just can't explain. I can't explain it. And so he says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Jesus is saying, if you don't get it, let me make it more clear to you. Because the very next verse in Matthew 19 verse 6 says this. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. It's no longer just about your opinion. That's why narcissism doesn't work in a marriage. 
Because marriage is the greatest experience, I think, to dying to self. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one, no one separate. So when you said yes to each other, he created this fusion of two people, this supernatural thing. It's not even a, a commitment. It, it's a covenant that took place between the two of us. And God said, what I've put together, not the pastor, not me, God said that what he joined together, let no one tear apart. No one from the outside, and God forbid, no person from the inside. So I don't just give a commitment that I'm in this with you just because I'm a Christian, but I have a don't quit attitude, but it goes deeper than that. We need to say, I'm in this because God put us together. And what God put together, who am I to tear apart? I just want to add something important. I'm not talking about emotional or physical abuse. If you are being abused, listen to me, please get help. Speak up. Go to the police, get a restraining order, tell a friend. I'm not talking about staying in an abusive relationship. I'm talking about when we say, I do. Let's send a promise ahead of us to say, we will stay together because God put us together. But maybe you've been on the receiving end of broken promises. That what God put together, they decided to tear apart. I just want you to know, his mercies are new. Every day. Number one, keep Jesus at the center. Number two, continue pursuing. Number three, protect your purity. And number four, stay in it together. Today is such a great day to forgive and to release the past. And today is a great day to start again. And speaking of starting again, for some of you, it's a great day to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. For some of you listening to me right now, you have religion. You check the boxes, you know, you say a prayer, but you never had an encounter with Jesus that is passionate, that's all-consuming, making him the center of everything and putting him first. And so today, I would love you to have that. So wherever you are, you must know that salvation is a gift from God, and the way to receive it is by faith. And the Bible is clear. If you confess our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, then we're going to be saved. And when you do that, you'll have a confidence that heaven is your home. And if you say, Mark, that's me. I know that I'm far from God. I, I haven't been all in, but I really want to. Then I want to help you express that to God through prayer. So let's pray together. Let's pray. Wherever you are, if that's you, just pray this after me. And it goes like this. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices with you uh, because of this decision that you've made. You will never walk alone again. And so until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and let's be a people that shine Jesus.